are back. <laughs> Episode number 12. <laughs> we took a three-week break. We took a break, and I think that's all right. I'm all right with it. Honestly, we didn't really take a break from our work, just kind of the podcast. Yeah. Well, we did have a little break in there. We went on a vacation. We went to Lake Powell. We talked about doing a podcast there. We didn't end up doing it. I think we were having too much fun to want to sit down and do a podcast, so don't yeah. blame us. We were on a boat for five days, and the last thing I was thinking about was a podcast. Actually, we talked about it a couple of times, but when we were down there, I, I don't know if you felt this way, but there's so many, like we had a pretty nice boat, but there was just so many people down there that have these amazing like rigs and setups down there. It was extremely motivating. Yes. Not just because like, you know, if you make a lot of money and you're successful, you can have this really awesome boat, but it was just kind of like the freedom there was what I was envious of, you mm -hmm. know, like these guys can do whatever they want. They can bring their families down here. Just spend weeks at a time yeah. hanging out on the lake. Yep. So it made me kind of want to optimize. But um, it was awesome. It was fun. Yeah. So we've been in Lake Powell. You know, I actually saw pictures of Lake Powell from last week. There was a crazy storm down there. And it like at one of those big boats that we were by sank. It sank? It sank. Yeah. One of the no huge way. boats. Yeah. So I'm glad that we were there when we were. And that yeah, we're no not kidding. there now. That would have been scary. Yeah. It was crazy. Well, speaking of those big boats and those successful people, I think we can uh, segue this in today's episode. Do you think any of those people, I mean, whatever they do, you know, for a living, obviously they're very wealthy just based on the look of their boats, how big they are, very expensive. Yeah. Do you think those people have failed during business in their life? I guarantee you that they have. Yes. yes. Um, failure is a concept that oftentimes many, many people are terrified of. Mm -hmm. I actually do not like failing at anything. Um, I joke with my wife that I'm good at everything that I do, but in reality, it's because I don't try that many things because I'm kind of scared of failing, you know, if I do try. Um, but in business, everybody fails at some point, right? And the idea is, what can you get out of your failure? I, I don't know. Have you ever failed at anything, Tyler? I mean, no. Just kidding. <laughs> yes, I have. I haven't had any like major failures that I just felt like, you know what I mean? You look back on like, man, I really failed there. But I've had a lot of little failures over time. You mean it, it might be like you had a meeting with a client or like a prospective client and you just, you weren't on your A game. You know, whatever it is, you're trying to sell something to them and you just didn't come out feeling good. You just knew you did not close that deal. Things like that. And it's easy to beat yourself up over those things. But today we want to talk a little bit about that and talk about how we can use that to motivate ourselves and to get further along with our business. They are going to happen. You are going to fail. It's just part of business. I've kind of learned to accept that now. And instead of looking at it as a failure, I just look at it as an opportunity to get better. Um, but it was hard to get to that point because I'm like you, like, I don't like to admit that I ever fail. I'm right. very competitive. I don't like to, you know what I mean? I always want to be on top. And yeah. if something happens, I beat myself up over it. So it's yeah. been hard to adjust to that. Yeah, and I don't think that if, after you get done listening to this podcast, you should try to fail or be excited to fail. No, Obviously, I hate the idea of failing. But when you do fail, you can learn something from it. And that's a very cliche thing, you know, like yeah. you, don't, you don't ever lose. You either win or you learn, right? That's one of the sayings. Shout out to Connor McGregor for that saying. Boom. But the idea here is, can you actually progress as a human being? Can you evolve into something by going through different failures? And the idea for the podcast was sparked from another podcast I was listening to. Um, I, I actually really like to listen to the Tim Ferriss show. 
And Tim Ferriss actually interviewed for the first time ever that he, he's ever been on a podcast, a guy named Ray Dalio. And if you know who Ray Dalio is, you, you'll get excited the second that this guy talks or when he writes anything. He is um, one of the most successful, legendary investors of all time. He runs, to this day, a hedge fund called Bridgewater Associates, and they manage something like uh, $3 trillion. Or, you know, wow. It's an insane amount of money. And over time, they, they are responsible for paying out more money than any other hedge fund to their clients. So they're really, really good at what they do. And the idea for the podcast about failure was sparked because uh, Ray Dalio was telling this story about when he had first started his fund. Um, and what a hedge fund is, is it's a, it's a trading company. So basically what happens is um, an investor buys into your hedge fund and they own shares or equity in your fund. It's a limited partnership. And then the company, the, the hedge fund, has a team of analysts and traders and they're going around the world or whatever their kind of idea is, and they're just making any type of investment that they would like. And they're trying to make as much money as they can. And hedge funds work on a pretty easy basis. It's called two and 20. So basically, if you give them a million bucks, they get 2% of that right up front. They get 2% no matter what. And then they get 20% of the profits that they make. So it's a really like capitalistic structure. And the idea is you give money to these wizard traders and hedge fund guys, and then they'll go out and they'll trade it for you. They'll get your money back, which should be more money, um, but you'll pay them. And they're incentivized to always make money. They use your money to make themselves money. So Reed Dalio started out, uh, started Bridgewater from a two-bedroom apartment, I think, in um, New Jersey or somewhere like that. And he had kind of been moving up the ranks of successful hedge fund owners for quite a while. Um, and in kind of the early stages of his career, he had been analyzing the market and he had been analyzing a Mexican uh, bond investment. And basically, he thought that the Mexican government was going to default on their uh, debt. And what that means is if somebody owns your debt, you have to make payments and you default by not being able to make the payments. And so... When something like this happens, it you know it happens a lot for personal bankruptcy. Um, it happens with companies, but it really doesn't happen a whole lot with governments. So when it does happen with governments, it's a really, really big thing. So Ray Dalio positioned his different investments and trades in order to profit on the idea that the Mexican government was going to default from on their on their debt. It's kind of an interesting concept. <laughs> yeah, it's called a global macro trading, and and it's. Um, I mean, he's one of the best. And so it turns out that he had studied all these things. Nobody thought that it was going to happen. So with the masses of the kind of investing world betting that it wouldn't happen, he decided to bet that it would happen. And so the payout when you go against the grain is way greater than if you're in consensus. So it turns out that Ray Dalio was right. He made a bunch of money. He had testified before Congress because, you know, he was one of the only ones to see that this could possibly happen. And then he thought, so he already got one thing right. And then he thought that the there would be a recession because of this default on the debt. And so for his second trade, he positioned his fund so that they would make money as soon as there was a recession. And it turns out that there was not a recession, right? And he ended up losing a bunch of money. And he had to fire everybody in his in his office he got down to two employees, and then it came time where he had to fire, and there were only two of them, him and one other guy. 
and he said it was the most difficult time in his life. And he said that it's when he learned, um, he learned that, you know, he's not the best investor of all time. He can make a mistake. And the hard thing for him was he hadn't ever had a mistake of this magnitude before. And he didn't want to let it go to waste because he lost all of his money. He probably lost a bunch of clients. He lost all of his friends that he was working with. His business was on the brink of shutting down. And so he came up with a formula that allowed him to kind of at least get something from blowing up his hedge fund, right? From getting one thing right, but missing the second thing. Mm -hmm. So the formula that he has is pretty simple, but it's pain, which is losing your business, right? Making a mistake plus reflection equals progress, right? So he had to figure out what he could have done wrong or or what he did wrong and what he could have done better. And then from that, from the total failure that he had um, is born progress, yeah. right? So he was able to grow. So um, he ended up writing this all down in a book that he calls Principles. And if you Google search Ray Dalio Principles, um, you can actually find the P- PDF of the of the, I mean, he released one free as a PDF, and then you can actually buy the book, which has part two. Um, but basically, there's a there's a progress or a process that he kind of outlines here, and and there's a five step process um, in order to getting what you want out of life. And he kind of clearly embraces the idea of failure and evolution and and growing. Um, so I think before we kind of jump into that, I mean, the idea of failure is ugly, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's something. I mean. I hate failing. Everyone. I don't think there's anyone out there that likes to fail. Let's right. be honest. Yeah. I think the important thing is being able to progress from failure, right? Um, like the simple concept of like working out, right? Like uh-huh. you, you go, you work out, you push your body to the brink of failure. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you actually do fail and you have to have somebody lift the weight off you. You know, hopefully you do it safely. safely. Um, but that's how you get stronger. So you can yeah. understand that concept with like physical or like you run and and you exhaust your cardiovascular system, and then the next time you run, you can run farther. Yeah, it's difficult though to relay that concept out of like working out and kind of sports into business. Yeah, I mean when you're when you're talking about money, I mean if yeah. you're like like you were saying like on the brink of bankruptcy or whatever, it's so much. I mean that's way yeah. different than just being tired from working out. You know. You're dealing with livelihoods, you know, you're firing employees, which I don't know if any of you have been in a position to fire someone. It sucks. I personally hate it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I've had to fire people, not in my current job or my current business now. Luckily, I haven't had to fire anyone here. But in some of my former, you know, jobs, I was in a management position where I had to lay people off, fire them. And it was terrible. I mean, so it's a whole different stress. But in reality, it's going to happen. Have you ever been fired? I haven't. You haven't. Luckily, I got, I got fired from my grandpa's company. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I was, and I didn't even have a good job. I had like this n- totally not important job, and uh, they just said, you know, what? you're costing us too much money. You're not bringing in enough value for us. We're going to fire you. Is it the same grandpa that I met? Yeah, yeah. That, that guy's awesome. He is a cutthroat individual. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, it's, He's great. Uh, yeah, and, and he actually failed a bunch. Um, he used to live in a tent. Really? When him and my grandma got married, yeah. They used to live in a tent, and then they upgraded to a trailer. Wow. And now they do whatever they want. Yeah, we gotta, want. we got to talk about his story one day on the podcast. Yeah. Pretty cool when you were telling it to me. I, I was pretty impressed by yeah. like where he's become. And, he's, and become. He, he's kind of been able to embrace failing and, and learning. So anyways, um, this is changing the topic a little bit, but I was reading through Ray Dalio's book, Principles, and he comes up with this um, process. He, he calls it 
my five-step process to getting what you want out of life. And then we're going to go over the five different steps that Ray Dalio has outlined. And if there's anybody that you ought to listen to, it's this guy. This guy is amazing. And I would highly recommend listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast with Ray Dalio. Um, But we're going to read through this and we're going to talk about the different five steps and how we've seen them. And then kind of, you know, I might only be on step three. You know, I I don't know. So we'll read through this. But he says there are five things that you have to do to get what you want out of life. First, you have to choose your goals, which will determine your direction. Then you have to design a plan to achieve your goals. On the way to your goals, you will encounter problems. This is where failure happens. As Mm -hmm. I mentioned, these problems typically cause pain, like shutting down your fund and firing all of your friends. The most common source of pain is in exploring your mistakes and weakness. You will react. You will either react badly to the pain or react like a master problem solver. That is your choice. I think that that's the key there, right? If you once you go through the pain, determining your reaction is up to you, right? You can yeah. feel pain and run away and run the other way, or you can react like a master problem solver. To figure out how to get around these problems, you must be calm and analytical to accurately diagnose your problems. Only after you have an accurate diagnosis of them can you design a plan that will get you around your problems. Then you have to do the tasks specified in the plan. Through this process of encountering problems and figuring out how to get around them, you will become progressively more capable and achieve your goals more easily. Then you will set bigger, more challenging goals in the same way that someone who works with weights naturally increases the poundage. This is the process of personal evolution, which I call my five-step process. In other words, the process consists of five distinct steps. So we'll go through the different steps here. Yeah. The first one is, an up-close version is setting goals. You can have virtually anything you want, but you can't have everything you want. The most important and typically most difficult step in the five-step process is setting goals because it forces you to decide what you really want and therefore what you can possibly get out of life. So we actually, Tyler and I had a meeting this morning um, about this other venture we're working on. We, we haven't set goals yet, but why, I mean, I have very specific goals in my personal life. Yeah. Um, but why is that so important in, in business? You know, interesting you brought that up because I was just thinking about the same thing. And your wife, after our meeting, was like, I think the first thing we need to do is set some goals. And I totally agree with her. Maybe two years ago, I probably would not have agreed with that. But honestly, they get kind of corny sometimes, like, oh, let's set goals, you know, like. But I think the reason is, and I've seen this since I started running my own business, if you don't have a goal, you have no purpose behind what you're doing. You don't have anything that you're trying to achieve. You know what I mean? There's no end. There's no ending in mind. Having a goal helps you get to where you want to be and you know what you are working for. And so what's interesting is like you'll have these failures, but in the end, those won't matter as long as you can reach that goal. However you get to that goal, it doesn't matter. And it might not be the way you envisioned in the first place, but as long as you can get to where you want to be, who cares if you failed along the way as long as you get to where you are. So I think by having those goals in mind, by, you know, setting those goals right from the start, you kind of have clear purpose in mind always. Yeah. And it it like gives you step-by-step instructions. Yeah. Right. You know, we want to start this other company that has to do with social media marketing and management. That's a great goal. Yeah. But how are we going to get there? Right. Yeah. What was our first goal? What's Mm -hmm. the first step, right? When I'm playing baseball, I want to score a run, but I need to get first base, then second base. Exactly. When I'm on a date with my wife, I want to score a home run. I need to get the (laughs) first base and third base. Right. So it gives you steps. And and it's funny because you'll think like, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be super successful or I want to own a rental a portfolio of rental property. How are you going to do that? What's step number one? So setting goals 
allows you to analyze it up close. Here are my actionable yeah. steps. And I think that's what separates the people that do achieve, you know, that make it and the people that don't. Yep. Um, I think everyone has big ideas. They have big plans, but most people aren't, I guess they don't go for it. They just kind of like, Hey, I have this great idea for a business, but they never end up doing anything with it. Yep. And it's, it's because they don't set any goals. You know, what am I going to do? What's my first step? How do I start my way down that path? And I think the people that actually plan that and try it are the ones that make it. Yeah. Um, Ray Dalio says, put another way to achieve your goals, you have to prioritize. And that includes rejecting good alternatives so that you have the time and resources to pursue even better ones. Time being probably your greatest limiting factor, though through leverage, you could substantially reduce time's constraints. It is important not to confuse goals and desires. Goals are the things that you really want to achieve, while desires are the things you want that can prevent you from reaching your goals. As I previously explained, desires are typically first order consequences. For example, a goal might be physical fitness, while a desire is the urge to eat good tasting unhealthy food. For example, a first order consequence that could undermine you obtaining your fitness goals. So in terms of the consequences they produce, goals are good and desires are bad. Interesting. Yeah. Think about like, I want to be a millionaire. I also want to drive a, I don't know. We saw an Audi R8 today and I yeah. thought it was pretty good looking, it's right? A good looking car. But do I want to have a business that is self-sustaining and provide some sort of very stable foundation for my life more than I want that stupid car? Mm -hmm. Heck yeah, I do, right? So you yeah. have to be able to distinguish the difference there. It's interesting. Like I didn't even think about it in that context, but there are a lot of things that can get in the way of your goals that yeah. you don't oh, even yeah. realize. And I mean, it could be small things like... And the the $1,200 iPhone that came out, Yeah, right? seriously, yeah. like you know what, I want to be financially stable, but I also want this iPhone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So being able to kind of avoid those desires can help you get to where you want. Speaking from business terms, it could be something like, you know, I really want to have a successful business, but I also only want to work 10 hours a week and that might not cut it. You know what I mean? So exactly. you have to realize that you don't always get what you want, but if you have goals set in mind, you can, it's easier to kind of avoid those desires because you have a specific goal in mind, in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. And that has to be your focus. Yep. So once you set the goals, you'll start working towards them and immediately, probably within a minute of working towards your goal, you will encounter <laughs> your first problem, right? Probably. Yep. So step number two here is identifying and not tolerating problems. After you set your goals, you must come up with a plan or design to achieve them, and then you must execute that plan by doing the tasks. On the way to achieving your goals and executing your design, you will encounter problems that have to be diagnosed so that the design can be modified to get around those obstacles. That's why you need to identify and not tolerate problems. Most problems are potential improvements screaming at you. Whenever a problem surfaces, you have in front of you an opportunity to improve. The more painful the problem, the louder it's screaming. In order to be successful, you have to one, perceive problems, and two, not tolerate them. If you don't identify your problems, you won't solve them, so you won't move forward toward achieving your goals. As a result, it is essential to bring problems to the surface. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm going through my day, I, I have this, this goal right uh, on a micro scale. Like, I wanna make sure that all of my tasks are done like mm -hmm. I get to the more I, I get to my office in the morning and I have this this uh, checklist and I write it down on a sticky note and yeah. then I, I write the thing I need to do the task and then I have this little checkbox and sometimes in order to finish that I have to do like ten or fifteen small things yeah and 
the temptation there is to avoid those and just to ignore them, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll see them sitting there, and they're these really dumb things. But the idea here is that you have to, you've got to confront them, you've got to finish them, you've got to make that phone call to the stupid 401k company and sit on hold <laughs> for 45 minutes, and you don't want to do it, right? That sounds fun. Yeah, you've got to you've got to pay your bills. You've got to call the accountant back, yeah. right? You've got to pay the taxes. So I see this in my day to day business or my day to day life, and um, it's kind of just like cutting out the noise, but you've got to encounter it head on. Pretty soon, if you ignore them, then they will prohibit you from moving forward and accomplishing yeah. anything else. They'll get in your way. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but for me, if I don't confront those problems and just take care of them right away, I just I can't get my mind off of them. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I keep thinking back to, oh, I need to do that, but I don't want to do that right now. I'll do that later. And it just yeah. kind of stops you and it, it kind of prohibits you from moving on with your workday. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's stressful. If I go home at the end of the day knowing I didn't take care of some problems that I should have taken care of today, that's all I will think about the rest of the night. Yeah. And it, it just gets in my way all the time. So it is important to just take care of your problems. Like right when you're thinking about it, right when you need to do Boom. it, just do it. Yeah, exactly. So here's an interesting thing I want to get your point of view on. Um, he He's noticed, and I've seen this in, in society, people often worry more about appearing to not have problems than about achieving their desired results and therefore avoid recognizing that their own mistakes and or weaknesses are causing the problems. This aversion to seeing one's own mistakes and weaknesses typically occurs because they're viewed as deficiencies you're stuck with rather than as essential parts of the personal evolution process. Wow. I think he (laughs) nailed it right there. I could relate to this one. Yeah. I mean... Sometimes I do worry about how my image comes across. I think everyone worries about it, you know? Yeah. And I didn't realize that sometimes I worry about that more often, more so than I worry about the actual problems I have. Because I want to be perceived as this person that has everything all put together. Yeah. It's kind of the world we live in right now, isn't it? Oh, especially with social media. Yeah. You see all these people and... You know, for me, I look up to a lot of business people. Um, I'm not so much involved with like the whole fashion fitness stars, you know, on yeah. Instagram, but I look at a lot of like these business people that I kind of want to become someday. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to look at these people as the type that don't have problems. Yeah. They don't have issues. They just, everything they touch turns to gold. And I forget that they do. And they've probably gone through a lot of crap to get to where they are, you know? Yep. Yep. So I think it's so easy to look at yourself and say, well, so-and-so doesn't have any problems. Look at all the problems that I have. I'm going to look, I'm not going to look successful because I have these issues. Yeah. I, I look like this and they look like that. Yeah. Right. It's so easy to compare yourself, but you also have to remember everyone is going to encounter a problem at some point in their business, some more than others, but there are going to be issues and it's how you handle those issues is how you handle those problems that are going to determine where you, who you become, you know, and how successful you become. I mean, I agree with you completely. It's easier said than done. Um, But Ray Dalio says this. Remember that identifying problems is like finding gems embedded in puzzles. If you solve the puzzle, you will get the gems that will make your life much better. Doing this continuously will lead you to your own rapid evolution. So if you're logical, you really should get excited about finding problems because identifying them will bring you closer to your goals. Absolutely. It reminds me of like Zelda. Did you ever play Zelda? I did. Dude, a little bit. How many times did you just wander around parts of the map there? That's like all I did. L- looking for those little <laughs> hearts, right? And those gen- rubies or whatever they were. 
the idea here is that, you know, you look at your life, you look at your business, you look at your situation and you say, what problems do I have? I tackle them. Yeah. Next time you encounter that problem, you're going to know exactly what to do and you'll be that much better. You will progress. You'll get closer to your goal. Um, I like the part where he says, so if you're logical, you really should get excited about finding problems because identifying them will bring you closer to your goals. That's, that's, that's crazy to me because I pride myself on being logical. Yeah. Right. So if I'm logical, I should like the fact that sometimes my day gets messed up and I have problems. So logical people have problems. Bingo. Yeah. And if you're it's not it, logical, you have no problem. It's right? interesting though. Cause like it's kind of opposite of what you would think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's very interesting, but I can totally see why that's the case. Yeah. I mean, for me too, what, one thing I do like about problems is I can count and encounter a problem today. And by being able to understand how to fix that problem, I probably won't have that problem later on. Cause I'll know if it ever comes up again, I know exactly what I need to do in that situation. Bingo. So by fixing that problem, learning how to deal with that problem right now, I'm making myself a better person and way less likely to ever have that problem again. Yeah, that's perfect. It's amazing. So, okay. So once you identify the problem, step three here is diagnosing the problems. He says you will be much more effective if you focus on diagnosis and design rather than jumping to solutions. It's a very common mistake for people to move directly from identifying a tough problem to a proposed solution in a nanosecond without spending the hours required to properly diagnose and design a solution. This typically yields bad decisions that don't alleviate the problem. Diagnosing and designing are what spark strategic thinking. You must be calm and logical. When diagnosing problems, as we identify as problems, reacting emotionally, though sometimes difficult to avoid, can undermine your effectiveness as a decision maker. By contrast, staying rational will serve you well. So if you're finding yourself shaken by your problems, do what you can to get yourself centered before moving forward. You must get at the root causes of the problems. Root causes like principles are the things that manifest themselves over and over again as the deep-seated reasons behind the actions that cause problems. So you will get many everlasting dividends if you can find them and properly deal with them. I think that part's important because it it says you're going to see all these problems. You're going to encounter problems every single day. And if you aren't calculated in your attack of the problem, sometimes you can end up in even even end up in an even bigger mess. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you reacted negatively in a fight with your wife, and then you think about it, and you're like, oh, too why did I say that? Right. Too often, honestly. Yeah. Or even with colleagues, or you know, somebody does something, and you're like upset. I had a uh, Davy on the. He was. I was texting Davy the other day, and he said he was negotiating a. Uh, uh, like a, a revenue deal with this guy and they had verbally agreed on a 50 50 split mm-hmm. and the guy sent a document over and the guy wanted to only give Davey a third and it gave him this very kind of immediately like offended yeah like you know feeling and emotion um, but the way he was explaining it to me he was completely calm and collected and he said I just have to make this guy see the logic here and, and be fair and equal and he, he ended up working it out but how many people would immediately say that guy sucks i hate him like yeah. what a loser i'm not even gonna so work yeah. you know and so you're, you're able to find solutions to this stupid problems if if you're kind of stoic about it right and you look at it and you say okay here's the problem what's the best way to attack it yeah i think a lot of us look at a problem as at the end of the world yeah and i'm guilty of this you yeah. know can't figure this out business is done i'm yeah. done i hate my life i give up it's so easy to kind of have that reaction so quickly. Um, 
and you know, the stuff we're talking about is much easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, but the more you can practice that, the easier it becomes being able to just take a step back, look at the big picture, figure out how you're going to encounter that problem and get it figured out. A lot of times when you do that, you will find a solution to the problem. Yeah. Like Davey said, he's working it out now, you know, and who knows what the result will be, but at least he's doing something about it. He could easily, yeah, just freak out. And I mean, that's not going to help at all. No, it doesn't yeah. get you any further. So what's the point of it? Yeah. Maybe if he reacts negatively, the guy's going to leave and then the whole deal's going to be blown up in the first place yeah. and he'll be in a worse spot than he is at a 60, 30 split or whatever. So yeah, I think that that's a good idea. You have to have a plan of attack. Um, Jocko Willink, the guy, the Navy SEAL that run, wrote the book Extreme Ownership, really talks about designing a plan of attack, um, optimizing, you know, different things you can do. And um, he says that, like, military training is very, very methodical. Like, they see yeah. the person or they see the threat, and then they have to design for days sometimes in advance plans, and, and they know every single plan of attack, and they minimize casualties. Obviously, you're probably not going to die, and you're in your business, right? But you could lose all your money. You could end up losing a contract. You could end up losing a client. So you have to be very methodical in the way that you attack the problems. Yeah. Someone I like that talks about this kind of stuff a lot is Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Um, just so you know, if you haven't listened to him, he does like to swear a lot. He cusses a lot. So just be careful. But yeah. he has a lot of good things to say. I really enjoy listening to him. And one thing he always talks about is focusing on the macro, not the micro. So stop looking at the little things and start focusing more on the big picture. You know, little things could be the little roadblocks in the way or, you know, the, the problems that you encounter along the way. But don't focus on that. Focus on the big picture. Focus on your goal like we're Bingo. talking about. Yep. Um, because, I mean, he, he has a gift right or He has a, a quote right here that says, stay macro. We all make mistakes, but maybe your mistake is your gift. So stop looking back because it's effing with you. <laughs> Learn, yeah, right. adjust, move on. Um, and that's really what it is. Stop looking back. Yeah. It is messing with you. It's getting in your way and there's no point. Start focusing on the macro. Look at the big picture and keep moving on. It, I like what he said. Your mistake might be your gift. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, prioritize and execute, right? Um, goes in perfectly well to the fourth step, which is designing the plan or determining the solutions. In some cases, you might go from setting goals to designing the plans that will get you to these goals. While in other cases, you will encounter problems on the way to your goals and have to design your way around them. So design will occur at both stages of the process, though it will occur much more often in figuring out how to get around problems. In other words, most of the, most of the movement towards your goals comes from designing how to remove the root causes of your problems. Problems are great because they are very specific impediments, so you know that you will move forward if you can identify and eliminate their root causes. Creating a design is like writing a movie script in that you visualize who will do what throughout that time in order to achieve the goal. Visualize the goal or problem standing in your way and then visualize practical solutions. When designing solutions, the objective is to change how you do things so that problems don't recur or recur so often. Think about each problem individually and as a product of the root, as the product of root causes, like the outcomes produced by a machine. Then think about how the machine should be changed to produce good outcomes rather than bad ones. There are typically many paths forward to achieving your goals and you need only find one of them that works. So it's almost always doable. I like this because oftentimes I've put a lot more thought into the goal mm -hmm. and I don't put thought into like the plan 
Yeah. Um, And this is even getting very more or much more specific, right? You want to run a successful business, then you set goals, but then how do you have the plan to get to the goal? Yeah. You have to plan and have to have a plan in place or else you're not going to get to that goal. Yeah. And how do you have a plan to tackle the problem? Yeah. Right. So this can seem like daunting, but it's all, you don't necessarily need to sit down and have like a planning session. Like, Oh, here's the problem. I need to go think about the problem for five hours. Cause a lot of problems you won't even like, you're not even going to know that are going to happen. Like you won't even, even expect that problem. It's just going to come out of nowhere. So it's hard yeah. to plan for that. I would say. And as you design these more often, you'll get better at it. Yeah. Right. So pretty soon you breeze through your day, you figured out the root cause, you've gotten rid of the root cause and then you're kind of done. You're just better at flying, right? You're better cruising through life, so it works. Um, Ray Dalio says, write down the plan so that you don't lose sight of it. Obviously, this is like your big plan, right? Not your plan to tackle these miniature problems. The list of tasks falls out from this story um, as as you kind of go through your plans and you, you fix problems. But the idea kind of remains the same. So you have to continually refer back and forth forth from you know what you did and that was successful what you didn't do and learn from it so that you know moving forward what to do more of or less of yeah i don't know this is all good information i'm just sitting here digesting it because i mean it's a lot i can learn from as well yeah it's cool and this guy oh man anytime this guy speaks you should really listen right this guy check him out more i've never heard any of his stuff dude he is incredible i'm telling you he's one of my idols in terms of investing phenomenal um, okay, so fifth, this is um, probably, depending on your personality, either the worst part or the best part, but it's doing the tasks. Yeah. Um, next, you and the others you need to rely on have to do the tasks that will get you to your goals. Great planners who don't carry out their plans go nowhere. You need to push through to accomplish the goals. This requires the self-discipline to follow the script that is in your design. I believe the importance of good work habits is vastly underrated. There are lots of books written about good work habits, so I won't digress into what I believe is effective. However, it is critical to know each day what you need to do and have the discipline to do it. People with good work habits have to-do lists that are reasonably prioritized, and they make themselves do what needs to be done. By contrast, people with poor work habits almost randomly react to stuff that comes at them, or they can bring themselves to do the things that they need to do, but they don't like to do. There are there are lots of tools that can help. He says, for example, thank goodness for my BlackBerry. Uh, you need to know whether you and others are following the plan, so you should establish clear benchmarks. Ideally, you should have someone other than yourself objectively measure you and others and make sure you're doing what, what's planned. If not, you need to diagnose why and resolve the problem. Um, then he goes on and he says you need to be self-disciplined and proactive. You need to be results-oriented. These types of people love to push themselves over the finish line to achieve the goal. I've noticed sometimes when I set goals in my business, if I achieve the goal, I'm going to end up with more money, right? And yeah. that's fun. But yeah. I oftentimes get more enjoyment from actually just accomplishing the goal and doing all these things than the monetary reward. Yeah. Not not necessarily all the time. But if you start accomplishing things and, and reaching your goals, just that process becomes addicting. Yeah. Right? Um, that's why I like jujitsu so much. You know, you, you have goals. I'm going to get another stripe. Oh, I'm going to learn how to do this choke. I'm going to learn how to do this, this, and you can actually measure your progress. You have mm-hmm. to be result oriented. I like that. Um, I'm very specific in my thinking. And so, you know, have you noticed that that's helpful in your business? Are you result oriented and like, Oh, absolutely. What's your day like when you go in, do you, do you set up a list or do you have it on your phone? You no, know, I actually, yeah, actually we, uh, 
as a as a company, we have different programs and software in place to create like task lists and goal lists and things yeah. like that yeah. that we check off. I mean, it's kind of nice because you you start it off. It starts off as a new you know a new task, and then it works its way down to like in progress to needs approval to completed. And you can kind of see that whole process of here's what we started with, and now it's done and it's wrapped up. And uh, so we have like company goals, but I also make personal goals throughout the day. Like these are what I need to get done. And it's not always like a specific task, but it could be different things like personally, you know, to develop myself or whatever. Yeah. And something I was just thinking about is what's interesting is the days that I'm able to make that list and check things off as I go along, I feel better about myself at the end of the day. Right. And I don't know why, but I could say it's probably because I feel like I accomplished a lot of things in the day. Where those days that I just feel like I'm doing a million things, I don't necessarily finish any of those things, I don't feel accomplished. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I was able to achieve much that day. Even though I did a lot of work, um, I'm a hard worker. I'm always working when I'm here. But sometimes if I don't set those specific goals or I don't have those tasks that I need to check off throughout the day, I don't, I can't attribute my, you know what I mean? My hard work to anything. Yeah, you can't you can't um, make that check mark through the box you it, drop. It feels right? good just to know yeah. you finished a project like that is completely done. I'm done with it. Wrapped. Moving on to the next thing. Yeah, and then you can look back on your day and say, look how many things I was able to accomplish today. Yeah, like it was a very successful, very you know, I I was able to get so much done that I didn't think I'd be able to get done. I feel good. I can go home and I can relax. Yep. Um, some of those days where I don't feel that way, I get home and I feel like I need to do more, and then I'm burnt out. And then, you know what I mean? And then you can't even enjoy your night when you're done working. Yeah. Um, Being results driven, I think, is really, really important in business because it allows you to gauge your progress and measure your results and and your growth. Yes. Uh, Think about like in um, like math, math class, you know, part of this process, if you got the problem, then you have to figure out, okay, there's the order of operations in Mm -hmm. math. And then you have to, you could type it all into a calculator. The calculator does it for you. You get the right answer. But the teacher marks the problem wrong, right? Because you didn't didn't show show your your work, work. right? You design the plan and you show your algorithm and how you got there. And then once you finally come up with the right thing, even if you did, you know, one part of the problem wrong and you multiplied something wrong, you still got the concept. Then you go back a couple steps and you redo it and you figure it out. So. It's kind of a dorky idea there, but I like to show my work and pro and show my progress and say, you know what, I did this first, these first ten things on my list instead of I did a fraction of fifty. All of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I never, I never finished anything. Yeah, exactly. It, so you know, maybe on that eighth day of working in a row, you'll finish finally the fiftieth thing. But you, you know, you could just prioritize them, do them. You'll feel satisfied. You'll be making measurable progress towards yeah. your goals. And then once you reach your goal. The process starts all over. Yeah. I mean, it never stops. In jiu-jitsu, you get your four stripes, you get your blue belt. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, now you have four more the next. until you get the purple belt. Yeah. So it's, you know, once you reach goal number one and you get your LLC, keep going. boom, now you have to get your profit and your loss and you pay your taxes. Yep. And boom, then you start your next one. So that's just the way that it goes. And the process is going to be continued forever and ever. And you have to actually enjoy the process. Yeah. I guess until you die, then you're done. But enjoy the process until you die because it becomes addicting. You can measure your success. You'll be kind of addicted to just working your whole life. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. There's a lot of value in it. And don't be afraid to celebrate the small successes. Yeah, you that's know? true. Yeah. I mean, just be happy um, and just don't, yeah, like I said, don't be afraid to celebrate. It's good. It's good to get things done. It's good to have small little successes. Maybe it's closing a small client. Maybe it's, 
I was able to get this video finished, you know, in my case or whatever it is, like celebrate, like feel good about it. And that's just going to help motivate you to continue to reach your goals, I, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I think this is so important. And I think it is very important to set goals for yourself, set tasks, um, know how you're going to reach those goals and then check them off because it's a good feeling. It really is. And yeah. I, something I've noticed too since I've been doing that because I'm not the most organized person. Like that is definitely one of my downfalls. I have like kind of a organized chaos, I guess. I yeah, don't know. It's yeah. just one of those things like I know what I need to get done and I'm bad at writing it down. It's in my head. I know you know this is what needs to get done. But I've noticed the busier I've gotten, the busier our company's gotten, the less I can do that because there's just so much going on. Yeah. So that's why we're like, you know what, we need a system in place to start really seeing what needs to get done and people checking it off so we know it's done. Um, but since doing that, I feel like I'm way more productive. Do you think that it, have you found that it's more enjoyable? Much more enjoyable. Yeah. I think I look back at some of those days where I would start in on, a, you know, editing a video or creating a graphic for a client. Then I'd get an email, then I'd get a call and I'm bouncing all around. And by five o'clock, I'm still not done with the thing that I started at 8 a.m. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's frustrating. There's nothing yeah. more frustrating. So I've also learned to kind of prioritize my time. Sometimes there's going to be calls that come in that I need to take right then. But there's also sometimes calls that come in that I can call them back in an hour. I'll ignore that call, get done what I'm working on, and then I'll take that call. Yeah. And I'm way more productive throughout my day by doing it that way rather than trying to bounce around, do a million things, but not have any goal or specific, you know, checking off of, you know, my goals or my tasks that I have that day. Yeah. And once you've done this for a really long time, like let's say you work six days and you're exhausted on the seventh day, have no checklist, have nothing Relax. to do, turn your phone off, read a book, watch Netflix, whatever. Right. Yeah, You need to rejuvenate kind of like yeah. bounce back. It's hard. It's, it's really, really difficult. But if you do not do that, then your productivity decreases. Yep. So I like Ray Dalio's process. I'm going to start implementing more of this process. I've, I wouldn't say I've done it automatically because he kind of makes this more, you know, kind of laid out in actionable mm -hmm. steps, but I, I know that this will be successful. This is the process that he goes through actually at Bridgewater. Um, when you get done, you get, you get criticized and you get feedback on every single thing that you do, every presentation you give. And actually the junior employees are encouraged to give the senior employees feedback and say, Hey, you know what? You could do this better really? or this. Yeah. It's so interesting. They've created a culture that's just extremely transparent. They record everything. They analyze everything. And it's all about personal improvement. Um, what I like about this is it, it does focus on personal improvement. And I think that sometimes a lot of the self-help world is like, you know, you need to be motivated. You need to yeah. do this, but they don't give you anything like, Hey, here's what you do with here's that motivation. Do yeah. And this is very actionable. So take your steps, design or identify your problems, figure out a plan of attack, keep going and then, um, start over. Right? What's Once great about do, this too, is you don't have to own a business to apply these steps. This is applicable for just about anything you do in life. Yeah. So getting a freaking 4.0 yeah. through Harvard. Yeah getting that next promotions, you know, whatever it is, fixing your relationship with your wife or your husband. Yeah. Something else too, to, to keep in mind is you might have big goals. So say it's like, you know, I want to make a million dollars and maybe you're making $25,000 a year right now. So set goals that are achievable as well. I mean, you're not going to jump from 25 K a year to a million dollars a year. You know what I mean? It's not just going to happen overnight. First, you got to get to 50, then you got to get to hundred, then you got to get to 200. So make those goals that you can achieve because there's nothing worse than never being able to achieve your goals and it's hard to stay motivated when yeah. you're never reaching any goals. So actually set goals for yourself that you can achieve and then once you achieve that goal, you know, create a goal. Okay, now that I'm here, 
this is where I'm going to be until you get to that end goal. Yeah. If you want to lift, you know, the 500 pounds and you can barely walk up a set of stairs, you're going to have to start with baby steps, but always keep moving forward. That's why once you get to step five and you finish it, start right back over at step, step one. Um, so yeah, I think that this is great. I hope that this was helpful. Um, I would highly recommend, you know, downloading the Tim Ferriss podcast with Ray Dalio, anything you can find on this guy, buy his book on Amazon. You can buy it on your Kindle for a lot cheaper. I bought a Kindle. Did you? Yeah. You like it? Uh, I haven't used it yet. I charged it up and I, I only read at night. Sometimes I fall asleep. Anyways. Yeah. I'm going to buy it on my Kindle. I downloaded the book. Um, but then just implement this. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. We'd love to hear some of your guys' successes, some of the, maybe the problems that you've encountered and how you overcame those problems. Once again, um, we talked about this last time, but I'm going to work on getting this done this next week is creating a group for everyone that's listening here. Um, we'll let you know on our next podcast what that group is, but that's a perfect place to like, Hey guys, this is what happened. This is how I overcame it and use that to motivate everyone else that maybe is encountering that same problem or will encounter that problem. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great place for everyone to communicate, talk about their successes, talk about the issues that they're having and let everyone else chime in. Cause maybe Jackson is encountering a problem that I've already encountered. I can give him advice to help him through it, you know, kind of yeah. motivate each other. Yeah. We're going to try to create that community in that kind of area of, uh, help and advice, I guess. Yeah. I'm excited. We've got some, I mean, we've got some big plans for the podcast. We haven't been great at it lately. We took That's three weeks fault. off. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of bugged about that, but also not. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah, because I'm I've happy. still been doing stuff. And, you know, we're, we're not really committing to every single week getting content. We want to give content when it's valuable to you. Yeah. And when we can provide something that's worth creating, you know. Yeah. Um, but we're going to pump out as many episodes as we can. We still want to get more people on the podcast. We're finally into fall. School starting. Everything is settling be down. Yeah. Routines are settling down. Um, but we've got multiple projects going on in our personal lives. Uh, Tyler's going to have a baby in three months. Yeah. December. About, yeah. Um, so, and then we're, we're working on another business right now. So things are just getting crazy. We don't stop. No, heck no. We're going to continue going. And it's part of the journey. You know, it's not, I can't imagine that I'm ever going to be able to say, you know what? I'm done. No, I'm done creating. Me neither. I don't want to be done. I mean, we might find, you know, some of these businesses we're working on might end up being very successful, but great. Now what else, what else are we going to do? That's going to be successful as well. You know, keep going, keep moving. Hopefully you guys are like that too. And if, if not, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Maybe no. you're just a scientist and you're going to find the cure Everyone's for cancer. Different. That's yeah. freaking amazing. I would never be able to mount to anything like that in my Me whole neither. life. But Me neither. Keep doing what you do. Let us know if this is helpful. Give us any feedback. Tweet at us anything that you might want to hear us talk about on the podcast. Or if you have any guests you want to put us in contact with that you think it's the world needs to hear their story, let us know. Uh, but this is the Young and Successful Podcast. This is episode number 12. And we will see you soon with episode number 13. Hopefully next week. That's right. Thanks, guys.